0: Tuesday on an all-new Buffy. She slayed many demons. What did I do? But when you kill an innocent...
1: A girl is dead because of me.
0: How many people are alive because of you? How do you deal with the guilt?
1: I have to go to the
0: police. An
2: all-new Buffy. Welcome to Hebron's Almanac. Also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 6, Episode 13, Dead Things. We'll be talking about plot, we'll be talking about character, and we'll be talking about character, just the same, sorry, characters. Uh, and we'll talk talking about false memories. So spoilers bound for this episode, every episode, before, after it, comics, and probably other shows and movies. It's like podcasts. Juicy, pulsating Podcasts. my name is kelly and i'm here to talk about buffy with my wonderful co-host Stasia. say hello your name is Stacia. my wonderful co-host Stasia. say hello hey i'm trying really hard to not say co host anymore because it's Cole every host. it's co host every time uh and my other co-host daniel say hello
1: double beep is double sweet enjoy
2: mm, double beep uh we're here to talk about uh you know dead things from season six which originally aired on February 5th of the year 2002. Written by Stephen DeKnight, this is the fourth episode of five that he will write. The last one was All The Way, and next one, the final one, will be Seeing Red. Directed by James A. Kottner, 15 of 20 for him. Last was Spiral, and the next one will be Entropy. Uh, what happened in this episode? It was a lighthearted romp, uh, full of jokes. So, Buffy... Uh, and Spike are underneath some carpets because they just had a bunch of sex. Uh, They almost have a conversation, but then Spike, per usual, as it seems to be, uh, makes a dumb comment, and Buffy gets upset and walks away. And then we cut to the Double Me Palace, I think? Gosh, I don't even really remember what happens. Oh, we're talking to the nerds. That's right, right? Is that right? I don't know. The nerds have a plan to make sex slaves with a magic ball, uh, that is called a neural dampener, apparently. That makes cerebral, cerebral dampener. Neural dampener, I feel like, is a thing and something else. There's lots of dampening of neurons and cerebs going around. Uh, but <laughs> Those the, classic cerebs. Yeah. Gotta with the dampen them. Intention to make uh, women, render women into just uh, blank objects that do whatever you want. Cool times. Uh, Buffy is at work at the Double Me Palace where she now does that. And Tara shows up unexpectedly, but apparently Buffy summoned her there to talk about what is going on with me why can spike hit me i need you to oh wait no wait she doesn't even say the hit me part she just says can you look at the spell and make sure that i didn't come back well, weird what no she say? i mean she said spike can hit me yes right and then tara was like oh my god is his, his chip, chip not working?" yes yeah chip not working she didn't say my function right. anyway uh so she does that presumably and then we cut to xander and anya dancing at Buffy's house and they're preparing for their their wedding dances I guess I, I don't know why I'm going scene by scene so much it's just like it's really upsetting because the nerds turn Warren's ex-girlfriend into a sex slave Ugh. and then she comes to unexpectedly and it's like oh my god what the fuck are you guys doing this is super messed up and then Warren tries to stop her from leaving and hits her in the back of the head with a champagne bottle and actually kills her and then uh, they're like, shit, what do we do? All the nerds. So they try to frame Buffy for murder by summoning a demon that makes time all weird and, and confusing, and and uh, it works. Buffy thinks that she killed Katrina, and she goes to turn herself into the cops, but luckily Spike's there to intervene and be like, don't fucking do this. It's a really bad idea. Even more luckily, when she's going to actually turn herself in, the cop that she's about to confess to is on the phone with someone giving a... A lot of information about the body they found, which was of Katrina. And Buffy amazingly pulls Katrina's name from her fucking memory banks. Even though she's been dead for three months and had one interaction with this woman, aside from this body experience, she's like, oh, yeah, Katrina. Oh, yeah, I know this is Warren. Oh, yeah, it wasn't my fault. Excellent. Uh, And then we wrap up the episode by Tara with her research, having found out that Buffy is not a demon. She is not broken or different. She just has a cellular tropical tan. Uh, so her body is physically different, but she, there's actually nothing wrong with her. And uh, Buffy has a breakdown. Because if she's not broken, then why does she want to sleep with Spike? I think we got there in the end. Dear God. it was just this episode, of, like, there's a, it's a very heavy episode. So you want to, like, hit all the things. But, Jesus. All right. There's one fun fact. One. Because there's nothing fun about this episode. <laughs> uh, apparently when Katrina, who's played by Emmalinda Smith... Amy Linda Smith punches Andrew. Uh, Tom Link actually got punched in the face for realsies. She didn't hold back. And they didn't use a stunt double. And so he just got clocked in the face. And then they apparently told his stunt double to go home because they got what they needed. (laughs) So a nice short day for that guy, I guess. Um, I do have some quotes, though, because there were no fun facts. But people had feelings about this episode, uh, including the people that made the episode. So it wouldn't be an episode of season six if we didn't have an obligatory quote from Marty yes. Noxon uh, on Spike's beating, <laughs> Marty Noxon on Spike's beating. <laughs> quote: "It got so dark and so intense, even darker still when Buffy beats the hell out of Spike." Some people had a really hard time with that. I understand where they're coming from. We just went to a real dark place, and I think this, I think this, where people started to feel okay, like. Like the episode, like the show, but what's going on? I wouldn't say that we were floundering at all, but at that point in the relationship, we didn't know where it was going. All we had was her raw emotion, and that's what got expressed. It was just complete confusion and the fact that she started to take her pain out on him, and he would take it. I feel like I don't there's lo, something lost in the transcription in these quotes. I don't know. Or Marty Knoxon speaks very strangely. One of the two. Uh, interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: interesting. That they didn't actually know what was going on because I feel like you must have had some sure, kind of end game, right? right? That's weird. I don't know. Uh, and then Sarah Michelle Geller mm. does not like this episode. What? Um, she doesn't like season six really at all, which I kind of get. I, you know, I, I've confessed that I've made, given Sarah Michelle Geller a hard time in the past because I thought that she just disdained the character, but I think she really like actually is protective over Buffy the character, which is kind of kind of sweet. So when you see her doing bad stuff and. Being kind of crazy it probably makes her sad. Anyway, so Buffy, I mean Sarah Michelle Gellar, had this to say uh, about the season and this episode. Uh, It wasn't who Buffy was or why people loved her. You don't want to see that dark heroine. You don't want to see her punishing herself. You want to see her killing vampires and making quips. It didn't feel like the character that I loved. Joss always explained that this season as being about being in your 20s where you're not a kid anymore, but you don't know what you want to do with your life. He always said that I didn't understand last year. I guess this must have taken place during season seven. There's an interview from E! Uh, during season seven. So anyway, yeah, sorry. He always said that I didn't understand last year because I've always known what I wanted to do and I didn't have that confusion, that dark, depressive period. But I think that the heart of the show lies in the humor of the drama. I felt like Buffy's spirit was missing last year. I had trouble with the scene where Buffy had sex with Spike on the balcony while watching her friends. I really thought that that was out of character and I didn't like what it stood for. And that was the moment that I had the most problems with. So in the season she didn't like, this episode specifically was the one she liked the least. And because of that scene, I guess. And then Stephen Denight about Sarah Michelle Geller's feelings about this season and this episode. I totally understand why that part made Sarah uncomfortable. I wish that I could say it was my idea, but it's just something Joss Whedon had it in the back of his head for a year. So he had the idea of having them have sex on a balcony while watching your friends. Okay, whatever, sorry. It just so happened that it was in my episode. Uh, Despite Sarah Michelle Gellar's reservations... Stephen DeKnight lists this as one of his personal favorites. Quote, sometimes you have an episode where everybody shows up. The actors are spot on. The direction is great. The editing, the music, etc. That was just one of those episodes where everything just came together. It had humor at the beginning. And then it had that great twist where the trio accidentally kills Katrina. And then it got dark, dark, dark. We really wanted to highlight how unhappy Buffy was with herself and really show why she was mistreating Spike because she hated herself.
0: I am not your go." <laughs>
1: There is nothing good or clean in you. You are dead inside.
0: You can't feel anything real. I could never
1: be your girl. So,
2: what did you think about the episode, Stacia? With all that preamble (laughs) from all those people that work on the show? Um, I mean, I
3: like this episode. I don't like Warren and the trio. I think they suck.
2: Uh, you think they suck as characters or you think what they're doing is bad? Like they suck because they're doing bad things. <sighs> um, I think that what obviously what they're doing is bad.
3: I think that, you know, the moment that you have with Katrina where she says it's rape and then Jonathan and um, Andrew look shocked as if it's never occurred to them Uh, seems pretty unbelievable although I guess you kind of have to have that moment to still have them be like the lovable fuck up sidekick characters or whatever, but it's just like frustrating yeah. to try to pretend they're that naive. Um, but I do agree with what Sarah Michelle Geller said about this episode and about the season six in general, that it is kind of out of character for Buffy and you really are missing sort of like the heart of the show that you get with the other seasons because she is so sad and just so withdrawn. Um, from the friends and kind of even from the audience that she doesn't connect with anything except for <laughs> fucking Spike. <Yeah>. Literally <laughs> uh, fucking Spike. Literally fucking Spike anymore. <laughs> um, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I find this episode, you know, dark and
2: interesting and...
3: like it. I don't really have anything smart to say
2: about it. No, that was, that was great. I'm glad that you liked it. I liked it too. Daniel, did you like this episode?
1: I really liked this episode. I was shocked. I really wasn't expecting a whole lot going into it. There are so many, like, I I just said the shits, but, like, I can't believe that somebody would reference this show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so many times. Um, And I don't know if they're, like, the reason why I think that he gets away with it is because they're not direct references, for the most part, except for stuff happening in the episodes. But, like, I counted, it started with Band Candy, like, when he held up the handcuffs. I thought of Joyce, and I was like, oh, that's a fun thing to yell. (laughs) You know, I was like, oh, that's funny. That's a good one right there. I like that. Um, And then it was like, you know, the whole entire episode is bothered or bewitched, bothered, bewildered. Then obviously we've had a bunch of sex doll episodes. So that's been happening a lot. We got earshot, you know, when Buffy's having these voices in her head that she can't shut off. Dead Man's Party, when Dawn is complaining about her wanting to leave. It's literally, it's almost word for word what Joyce says to her. Like, you want to go. You don't want to be here. It's exactly what Joyce was saying back in the day. The fight talk scene between Spike and... And Buffy at the end was full for love. I would say that the worst part about this episode, the most frustrating part, is exactly what Sarah Michelle Geller is saying, which is like Buffy's character is tough to handle, but it makes it really interesting. And she we, still, we spend so much time talking about her being this um, you know hero that can't hurt anybody, and that harkens to me back to DMAF. And to, you know, Faith, everything we've already Mm -hmm. talked about has already happened. Fucking Ted, the episode Ted, where she's like, I got to go to the police. Real Me was Mm -hmm. referenced where Dawn sort of inverts it and was saying, just like she was saying, you want to go somewhere else. She's implying that you want to be gone and like she's real. You don't want to be real. It's just the invert. And then at the very end, uh, Wrecked, where she's saying, don't forgive me, don't forgive me, is the opposite of Willow saying, please help me. Forgive me. I'm sorry. It's incredible. And like there are moments, too, in this episode where like the lore of the episode, not the lore of the show, but like the webcam isn't just a fun thing used once. It's used throughout the whole thing. The fight spell, the demon that happens is used twice. Everything gets used more than once. So it doesn't feel random. And it works really well. And I have to say the music was fucking fire. I loved the score. I loved the musical interlude with Spike and them. And when I was Mm -hmm. about to cringe, we got the best fight scene of of the season, if not, like, the the show that I can remember at this point. Like, it was excellent. I mean, every time I wanted to check out, and you trying to describe what's happening, I felt the same way. Like, I don't even know how I would describe this episode. There are so many cuts. There are so many different scenes. I don't even know what the acts are. It feels like there's 15 acts. And I really like that. It just feels like a different Buffy episode than anyone that I can really recall. And I think it's incredible that he could toe the line like that. Good, good shit.
2: It's interesting that you pull the parallel between that fight scene with Spike and Buffy uh, outside the police station with Full for Love, because for me, it's really clearly consequences. You see the dead guy in your head every day for the rest of your life.
1: Buffy, I'm not going to see anything. I missed the mark last
2: night and I'm sorry about the guy. I really am. But it happens. So, yeah. So Spike says, how many people are alive because of you? How many have you saved? One dead girl doesn't tap the scales. And when Faith and Buffy are fighting about what Faith has done, she says, uh, I missed the mark last night and I'm sorry about that guy. I really am. But how many people do you think we've saved by now? Thousands? And you didn't stop. The- didn't you stop the world from ending? Because in my book, that puts you and me in the plus column. Like one for one. It, she's. She's had this conversation before. Granted, Faith was the one that did it, not her. But still, like, her reaction to this. We'll we'll talk about it later because I think it's, you know, it's a lot. But Something made us different. We're warriors. We were built to kill. To kill demons. But it does not mean that we get to pass judgment on people. Like, we're better than everybody else. We are better. Uh, my initial feelings on this episode, I think it's fucking incredible. It's, yeah, it's... It struck me that I ne- I would not be able to pull this out before watching this episode. I would never be like, oh, yeah, dead things. That was like, what a great episode. I knew what happened in this episode, but it never like has hit me the way that it did when I watched it now. Um, I think that that fight scene is, is, is the best one in, in the whole show. I think that what they were able to achieve with the cuts that they did and it was so disorienting. Like you really felt like, fuck, I don't know what's going on and to put, be able to put yourself in Buffy's shoes like anytime you can put yourself in a character's shoes like that is really impressive, you know, through TV or a movie, and I, you know it was so, so disoriented and so well done and it's just, yeah, this is a super duper heavy episode, this feels like the most adult episode of Buffy we've ever had uh, and it's just really, really well done and I, I'm, I'm sad for my past self that I totally slept on this episode, I just can't believe how good it is Do you trust me? You know, sometimes my memory is not so sharp. And I wonder if maybe just like our friend Buffy can't quite remember what happened during that disorienting fight scene. Maybe other people also have like, you know, vague or one might say false memories. And I was hoping that maybe Stacia
1: (laughs) could tell me all about false memories. This podcast is becoming the podcast of the brain. I just want that to be. I know, I
2: know. (laughs) I know podcast of the brain yeah like rosary neurological stuff i feel like or physiological stuff at least yeah yeah i'm becoming a doctor
3: as we go (laughs) i'm getting my phd excellent let me tell you this is high science right here so buckle up and i'm falling for that again because of the surprise lobotomy memories in general i feel like a lot of people when you think about them you think about them as sort of being infallible like they're like a card catalog of events that have happened to you when you like review something that's happened when you're thinking about an event in your head you aren't like oh I'm remembering that incorrectly oh
2: not right. this guy I know all my mo- memories are totally fallible untrustworthy but most people are probably not. <laughs>
3: I mean, fine. Daniel, do you think when you think of a memory, are you like, huh, that's probably not an accurate memory or do oh, you just uh, assume that?
1: Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I like the my interest in like history is memory and, and how people remember the past and how they remember it wrong. How It's all constructed. So, yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> I'm absolutely on board that my memory is fallible.
3: OK, fine. Everyone's memory is fallible. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but you like you,
2: you're pretty. Do you think that?
3: Really? Well, I mean, I just like, if you're remembering just something, just yeah, like yeah. Generally, yeah, yeah. generally, if you're like, remember yeah, yeah. that time that we were in Mexico and right. that guy drank too much. And like, would you when you're doing that kind of like reminiscing, think like, I wonder if that's actually how it happened.
1: No, because I would have been yeah. like, I was there. I know that I wrote it <laughs> yeah, down in my journal. I remember that <laughs> I, I did all that. Yeah, absolutely. I have pictures of it. I've yeah. Got, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, that's the way I think of memory as functioning as this sort of like, you know sort of photographic visual reel of your past that you can, like, bring forward and examine when you want to. The thing with it is, is that when you're experiencing memories or when you're, like, making memories, there's this process called encoding where your brain is learning the information and learning where and how it wants to store it. And every time you bring that information back again, you're, like, creating stronger neural pathways between that memory and, like, your consciousness because a lot of your memory just exists like, in the dark, deep recesses of your mind, like, you're not just constantly always experiencing that wild vacation in Cancun or whatever. (laughs) 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 Only. Could you imagine how hard that'd be to function if every single memory was constantly playing in your head, though? Yeah,
1: like, I drink this Corona, I'm just like, woo!
3: (laughs) 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 But, so, every time you bring that memory forth, you're essentially, like, creating a new memory of remembering that memory, which gets really confusing and messy, but so that creates a couple of areas where your memories can either be encoded, um, like immediately created wrongly or when you re... re um reminisce recreate a memory that you've had add in false information that wasn't there the first time and that like supersedes your original memory so
2: wait so your brains kind of work like hard drives you go like access the file and then you rewrite it every time kind of yeah save and close yeah that's so fucked up i know it's weird right (laughs) i like my new nine gig hard drive
0: but you don't love it because without the dma upgrade your computer's only half a rocket ship
3: uh scientists have done a bunch of studies about this so Obviously, as we establish, memory is fallible, but, you know, on an individual level, when you're thinking about a thing that happened to you last week or a thing that happened to you last year that you remember, you don't necessarily think, oh, yeah, I probably am remembering that incorrectly. Um, So there's a couple of different ways you can end up with false memories. Um, The first one, and that's the easiest to understand, is an inaccurate perception. So the moment that the thing is happening that you're going to remember in the future, you misunderstood what's happening. Right. So this might be like you think you saw someone and you saw – and what you saw – what you thought you saw was wrong and then you're an eyewitness and you incorrectly identify the Mm. perpetrator later, that kind of thing. Um, The next one is inferences. So this is – Again, when you're encoding the memory, you are also using, to understand your environment, your past knowledge about situations. So if you have a friend that you know wants to get pregnant and she says she's going to the doctor, you might assume it's because she's pregnant. And then later, you'll have a memory of her going to the doctor about her pregnancy when that's not actually what it was about at all. So you're making these conclusions that aren't necessarily there, but later you recall them as if that's the way it happened. The next one is interference which is what I was talking about. When you are later remembering something, someone can add false information. And, you know, this doesn't happen necessarily in like a pernicious way, but just accidentally where someone will recall something to you wrong and then you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you remember it wrong. Right. And the example I read was like uh, the scientists had participants watch a video of a car come to a yield sign. And then after the fact, they asked, Did any cars pass that car at the stop sign? And then, like, half of the participants remembered seeing a stop sign and not a yield sign, which was actually what was in the video, because the scientists were feeding back the wrong information to them, so they couldn't remember that it had been a yield sign to begin with. So when you're discussing your memories and you're discussing them incorrectly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you will not be able to then retrieve the actual, like, unaltered original memory. Your brain's not going to remember that's the way it used to be. Right. Wow. the next thing is similarity you can get memories confused for one another if they're too close together that i did this thing when that didn't mm-hmm. actually happen that time it was a different time because they were both similar events
2: which is kind of like a the deja vu thing kind of feeds in that a little bit right where it's like you've done this thing so many times you can't quite remember how it went so you just assume that this already happened but maybe not it's because you're going to do it again i don't know anyway maybe i'm wrong continue
3: I don't know if that's déjà vu, but yes, it's like that. Um, kind of like when you're on a highway and you zone out. All
2: oh, right, you're like, you're... how the
3: fuck did I get home? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the last ones is misattributions of familiarity, which is basically, um, you will misattribute things that sound familiar to you as being more significant than things you've never heard of before so they did a study where they gave people names of not famous people just random names and then later provided those names and other random names that the participants hadn't seen and they couldn't remember which ones were which but somehow they graded the ones they'd seen previously as more famous Hmm. than the new names even though none of them were famous but it was just like they were more familiar with those names Uh, Like I said, scientists have done a lot of studies about this, that they've been able to um, give false memories to study participants of being lost in a mall, Uh, religious experiences, hot air balloon rides, and hospitalizations. And essentially, like the most famous ones, the lost in a mall thing, where you are taking similar experiences that have happened. I've been lost before. I've been in a mall before. And then you get the participant's mother- coming in saying, don't remember when you were lost in the mall? Mm. And suddenly they were like, they're like, no. And they're like, yeah, you were wearing that one jumper you always wore. And they're like, maybe. Mm. And then you start sort of like, you know, like workshopping it with the mom or whatever. And then suddenly in the end, yeah, they were lost in a mall when they were a kid, even though every single person they interviewed was like, no, that person was never lost in a mall when they were a kid. Mm.
1: Um, Did you guys ever have uh, something like that? I mean, I I do. I got lost in a 7-Eleven. In my head, when I was a kid, I always believed that I was, like, crying in a Seven Eleven, and that I lost, I think it was with my dad. And it's, like, my dad was, like, the 7-Eleven's fucking four aisles. Like, how would I leave? Yeah. <laughs> you know? and I'm, like, no. I'm, like, concretely remember this. And me and my sister concocted into our, like, 20s where we believed that we took my dad's pickup truck and we tried to, like, drive to Arizona. Like in our head, like I probably just made this up, but we concocted our plan was to go to the Grand Canyon and we stole my dad's truck as children, you know, and like, we're like, we both believe it. Obviously, we know it doesn't happen, but it's like we both can feel it. Yeah. That's just totally bullshit. Yes.
3: I mean, one of the things that doesn't seem immediately obvious, at least to me when thinking about false memories, is the Mandela effect. Mm. Mm where, you know, there's, like, this, like, consciousness, like, group consciousness of false memories. You know, obviously, like, the Berenstain versus the Berenstain Bears. There are a ton of people that think it was Berenstain, but it's always been Berenstain, and then you find out, and you're like,
2: what the fuck? Or the Sinbad genie movie that never existed. Shazam. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: And it's all named after, it's called the Mandela Effect because this woman thought that she had, like, vivid memories of Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the eighties when he didn't die until like two thousand and three or something.
2: Oh, I didn't realize that's why it was called
3: that. Yeah. And there were a bunch of people that stepped forward and said, I had the same memories. I remember him dying in prison and, you know, when you start like pulling it apart, it was like, Oh, there was another activist that died in prison around the same time. Mm-hmm. You're probably confusing him with Nelson Mandela. Like with uh Shazam, the Sinbiad Genie movie. That never was. That never was. There was a Genie movie called (laughs) Kazam. And around the same time, Sinbad dressed up in a Genie costume. So you start, like, conflating these ideas of, like, I don't know, a famous black guy, Shazam, (laughs) Genie. Anyways, so I was like, what... Like, let's think about the most classic false memory stories. We already talked about the Satanic Panic, which is clearly an episode or an example of that. But the other one my mind immediately goes to is alien abductions. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I guess we could argue about this. Maybe people believe that it's real and thus aren't false memories. I'm sure. I don't think anyone in this
1: room...
0: No. Working from
3: the theory that (laughs) no one's been abducted by aliens on this planet... Um, I would like to talk to you about Barney and Betty Hill.
2: They were... <laughs> Did you say Barney? What? Barney and Betty. Barney and Betty. And Betty. I Barney just heard,
3: and Betty. I just heard Benny Hill. Benny Hill. Yeah. Barney and Betty yeah. Hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, can do they... they lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They were an interracial couple. This was in the 50s and 60s, which was pretty unusual for the area. And they were quite um, active social workers and activists. They were both members of the NAACP. And so they were, like, you know, fairly like, liberal, you know, kind of clear-headed, functional people. They take a vacation to Niagara Falls, and as they're driving back on September 19th, 1961, Betty sees what she thinks is a falling star, only the problem is the star is falling upwards. Hmm.
2: She, um, yells at...
3: Barney, I'm gonna mess up their names
2: now. Sorry, I'm Thank sorry. Thank you. I was she, like, wait, I just need to know. I was like, what's the opposite of falling? I was like, upping. upping. No, rising. <laughs> rising is the word. Upping. <laughs> rising. Rising. Um, unfortunately, she saw a falling star upping, upping. in the sky. In the sky. <laughs> no, you would say a falling star upping. You would say an upping star. Clearly.
3: Yeah, but it was a falling star upping. That was the point. She thought it was a falling star. Only the problem
2: was, it was upping. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you said upping so many times. Uh, <laughs> Fuck. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Continue. Hey, respect the narrative flow much? Okay.
3: The upping star... <laughs> Descended rapidly towards them and became what Betty believed was a craft with oddly shaped lights. Uh, the craft followed them and they got scared. Uh, Barney slammed on his brakes and got out of the car with a pistol in his binoculars to look up at the craft. And, and- shoot it. Well, for safety. (laughs) Right. And he said that he saw like 10 to 12 humanoid creatures in the windows of the craft staring back at him. And he said he doesn't know why, but he knew they weren't human. And he was terrified. He tore the binoculars away from his face. He raced back to the car. He screamed at Betty. They're going to abduct us. I can't even talk now. They're going to capture us. (laughs) And he peels out of there as fast as he possibly can. The craft continues to follow them. They're, like, weaving through this mountainous road. It's the middle of the night. Everything's dark. They're scared. They end up in a dead end, I guess. And beyond the dead end, they see a fiery orb. Mm. I don't know. Um, They race away again. The craft follows them. And suddenly there's, like, this beeping, buzzing sound. The entire car shakes. And they feel all tingly and weird. And suddenly all their memories are, like, disjointed. And they can't really... They aren't really sure what's going on. They can't really remember. And before they know it, they're home. Mm. They feel weird. They get out of the car and they're like, what the fuck just happened to us? And Betty, overcome with this feeling of wrongness, was like, we have to leave our luggage outside. We cannot bring it in with us. Barney, meanwhile, is racing to the bathroom to look at his junk. He's like, "Something's wrong here." Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's gone. They both take. They both take. Sho- he was like, "In the end, it looked fine." <laughs> they both take showers. They scrub off all the contamination. They just feel dirty and wrong. They get into bed, and the next day. Betty looks at her dress that she had been wearing the day before and realizes it's ripped all over. It's like ripped at the seams, it's ripped at the zipper, and it's covered in a strange pink powder and she's like, "What the fuck?" And then Barney's like, "Yeah, the strap on my binoculars is ripped. I don't remember ripping it. What the hell?" And they go out to their car and there is these weird concentric circles on the trunk of their car. And to test it cuz obviously this is what I would do, you get out a compass and if you hold the compass next to the circles, the compass goes wild. I
1: okay.
3: don't know. Sure. Why would you Okay. Yep. N- yeah. Uh so they're very concerned, but they're yep. like, look, we don't want to look crazy. We're not crazy people. We're normal we're nor- people. We <laughs> live in New Hampshire. <laughs> we work
2: for the NAACP.
3: Well, they're members of We're <laughs> a member
2: of the NAACP. We're social workers. We're normal <laughs> yeah.
3: people. We're not gonna we're not gonna do anything. And then five days later. did something. Betty has vivid dreams for five nights of what happened to her on the spacecraft. She has memories or dreams that she was taken into the spacecraft. She is sort of shown around, and then she's examined by these alien creatures that, like, take her skin, take her fingernails, take her hair. They, like, measure her. They stick a needle in her stomach. The leader of the group that she designated gave her a book and was like, you can keep this. And she was like, it had alien language on it. But then before they left, the leader came back and he was like, I'm sorry, you're not actually allowed to keep it and you can't keep any of your memories. (laughs) And Betty was like, I will remember this one way or another. (laughs) So she was really disturbed by the dreams as I think anyone would be and told her husband. Her husband was like, "Eh, yeah, no, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They were trying to find out what was going on. They, like, talked to the police. They talked to the military. They ended up going to this doctor who suggested that they get um, hypnotist involved. Oh, yeah.
2: That'll make things more clear. To recover their
3: memories. Yep. So uh, they did get a hypnotist a couple of years later. He split them into two rooms. So that they that their sessions were done separately. For Barney's sessions, he tells the story about how he was also taken into the craft. Um, they took you know, body samples from him as well. Those aliens didn't speak to him at all, but, you know, he was very unsettled by the whole experience. Betty says basically the same thing. Her descriptions from her dreams and her hypnotism sessions are different of the aliens. They're, like, starkly different. But it basically mirrors what Barney says, that they're both taken in the craft, taken into separate rooms, and then they're released together. And that's kind of it. Like, they never really wanted to be famous. Barney, unfortunately, died a few years after that. He died in, like, 1969. I think Betty was a little more... Couldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she started going UFO searching every couple of days. I found one guy who said that he went with her and she sighted a UFO that was a streetlight. So, you know, maybe not doing so well in the end. So one thing that I didn't mention is this is, like, the first abduction story in the United States is this couple. And it's one of the most famous ones. And it kind of became like the template for future abduction stories. All of the abduction stories kind of follow the exact same steps. Uh, But anyway, so a lot of people have looked into it. And one of the things that they have found is that they think what they probably saw was an aircraft warning beacon um, that they mistook for a UFO. So you get this interesting thing where you have them misperceiving what they're seeing so they're originally encoding the memory wrong and then they're talking to each other wrongly remembering and sort of reinforcing their you know false memories of what happened and then they go to a hypnotist who then suggests sort of false memories to them which is one of the things with like the false memories for like the um sexual assault abuse cases with the um Satanic panic, yeah. The Satanic panic is like the therapists are actually the ones kind of giving them the suggestions for the ideas, um, which becomes this entire story of alien abduction.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, as you were talking about that, I was like, you just told us all
2: these types of memories they're
1: doing Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. And like, what do you think happened? It's like they found, they ran into some kind of an aircraft.
2: I mean, they
3: must have. They did like, after the fact, try to retrace their route that they had taken, and they could never nail down a specific area. Although they did eventually say, they could never find where they saw the fiery orb, but they did eventually nail down the area where they were like, this is where the tr- craft took us. Mm. Um, and now there's, like, a little sign there. Oh, cool. It. See,
1: that's, that's fun. Now it's fun. You, you can go there and be like, yeah, that's cool.
3: Uh, Yeah, so false memories and alien abductions. Anyways, uh, I researched that before I did... Before I watched the episode again, and it was interesting watching uh, the episode, thinking like, "Oh yeah, she's like incorrectly perceiving what's happening right now," and then she gets these like warned voices that are like, "What have you
2: done?" Mm -hmm.
3: Sort of like rewriting the context of her memory, right? Where she's like,
2: "Ah, (laughs) fuck." So that was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And while you were explaining all these types of memories, I was like, this is how con artists operate. They're relying on those kind of things. They're implanting things in your head mm-hmm. that, that you're not even realizing they're doing so subtly. That example of the yield sign is that, like, that's mm-hmm. a con artist trick, right? You, you basically just rephrase what someone knows to be true, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I saw a yield sign, but you're, but because the person, people, are, humans just want to agree. Like, mm-hmm. typically, socially interaction, you just want to move the conversation along. You don't want to nitpick usually. I mean, definitely, certainly, some people would be like, well, actually, about literally everything every time you fucking say something. But for the most part, people just want to get along. You said stop sign, yield sign, whatever. We both know it was a sign. But when, but con artists are people that are trying to manipulate intentionally, hold on oh, yeah. to those little things. They're oh, like, yeah. they know exactly where to pinpoint to change your memory change your perception of how the event went down yeah and even it's happened so subtly you don't even realize
3: well one of the other things that i thought was really interesting about human memory is like we really like to group things so they did a study where they gave people words and they said like slumber tired rest wake bed and at the end they were like You know, name the words, and most of them said sleep, even though that wasn't one of the words. Mm. Because altogether, like all of those words, we're talking about sleep, sleep. come on, about sleeping. So I remember sleep as being one of the words, even though it wasn't one of the words. So we have a hard time when we're recalling memories to pick out like fine details. So it's like if I said, What does a penny look like? You'd be like, Well, it's round, it's about this big, it's got Lincoln's head on it, it's copper, and then you're like, Can you draw it accurately? No, (laughs) like what words are on it? I don't know know. which face, which way does Lincoln's face face? I don't know. Um, I think it's that way. See, oh shit,
2: no, it's definitely that way, right?
1: Uh, you could say see anything.
3: i don't know it's <laughs> like you would absolutely recognize a penny you know you know what a penny looks like right. you have seen pennies but it's like when you get down to trying to like kneel down those like little details mm-hmm. which you know why is why like eyewitness testimony is so unreliable because right. it's like yeah maybe you saw someone but when you have to actually like drill down like what did their hair look like i don't know mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> i think that was lincoln Disgusting mole and stupid hat. Well, thank you very much for that. And, yeah, this is a, a podcast about the brain. Right? All, and I kept thinking about our, our friend from uh, a couple episodes ago, the guy that I know, knew every I 15 seconds anything. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. What what wonderful facets of the brain will you teach us next week? I don't know. I, don't know. I guess
3: it'll depend on what you ask me to research.
2: <laughs> what is next week? Ah, we're not there yet. Anyway. I have the sudden urge to dedicate my productive cooperation... Well, if you close your eyes and repeatedly smash yourself in the head with frozen meat, it'll go away. There's, we kind of get a glimpse into what maybe our friends were doing while Buffy was dead because Buffy comes home from work and Xander and Anya and everybody is just like hanging out and having fun and they're like having a good time. I was curious if either of you thought that maybe they might be better off if Buffy hadn't come back. Now, I know that um the biker gang struck static x <laughs> terrible times <laughs> you yeah, know that wouldn't have worked out well but i just Stacia, can you see a sunnydale and and, I, and we've had the wish too right where when buffy doesn't exist things are bad they're real bad but i don't know can you see a world where this is like our friends just have little game nights and they just hang out and take care of each other if Buffy's not around? Or would it definitely be bad because demons?
3: I don't know why Buffy being in the universe means they can't hang out and have game nights. Because Buffy is fundamentally broken. Okay, But also, it does seem like, (laughs) at least a lot in this season, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. Like Xander and Anya are consumed with getting married. Willow is doing like the magic and breaking up with um, Tara and being out all night. And, you know, Buffy's doing her own thing and Dawn's like, I don't know, I guess I'll go see Janice. Janice. I don't know if they would have had board games or if that would have just continued without her there. Like, you know, Dawn would still be going to Janice's and Willow would have kept spiraling out and broken up with Tara and then... Xander and Anya would be doing the thing where Xan- 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 <laughs> Xan- Xander's like, I don't want to get married. And Anya's like, when are we getting married?
1: I think you're right, Stacia. They could, they could be doing that stuff right now. And the fact that they bring it up in the episode, which I'm glad they do. Another mark to this episode is like it, it kind of highlights that our friends are... Not here. And they say it multiple times how Buffy just isn't around anymore. They're not around anymore. But like, again, if Buffy's not around, you guys were meeting up when she was gone. You guys could keep doing that. You guys can play, hang out. You know, I mean, you could maybe argue that they were having fun and then Buffy showed up and destroyed the vibe or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) That might be true on some level. But I don't think you can say that like, you know, again, if she was gone, in theory, the world is much different. The summer's house has been burned down. By the bikers, <laughs> yeah, you know? True. It's not great. True. Joyce is still alive. Joyce might be still alive. But might not exist. I mean, who, go back far yeah. enough, uh, certain things will never right. have happened. So, I don't know.
2: <laughs> the funky monkey claims another victim. 20 years later, this episode just hits different, I gotta say. So, Stacia, I think it's interesting that you bring up that it's unbelievable that the nerds are that naive. That mm-hmm. they would be like what do you mean this is rape? I I would never have even considered that because being 12 years old and watching this, I never considered it. I mean, maybe age is one thing for sure, so maybe I have that on my side. They're fucking 20 years old, so they should know better. But I was raised in fucking, you know, patriarchal pop culture fucking bullshit where we're misogynist and sexist all the time and you have movies like Weird Science where you build a woman to be a sex robot and do whatever you want or, you know, Revenge of the Nerds where you rape a woman in costume and it's okay because she liked it and, like, you know, you like all this stuff that's just ingrained in you that you never think twice about. I definitely would have been them. I would have been like, what do you mean? And, like, get it immediately. Like, they... Obviously, they took the weight of that and they were like, oh my fucking god, I didn't think about that at all because they didn't register you as being human because you're just a woman. What is wrong with you? We wanted us to be together.
1: There is no us, Warren. Get that through your big meaty head. I am not your girlfriend anymore. She's your ex? Dude, that is messed up. Yeah. Oh, you think? You bunch of little boys playing at being men. Well, this is not some fantasy. It's not a game, you freaks. It's rape. What? No,
2: we didn't. I wonder you well i mean i guess you kind of already said you knew this was wrong immediately you watching this you're like of course before she had to come out and say that's rape you fucking idiots you knew this was a terrible idea yeah good for you thanks <laughs> 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 Daniel. do you like kind of resonate oh, with what I, i'm saying I about it a little bit resonate with you yes
1: yes i totally understand it's something you have to actively unlearn especially as a As uh, either growing up in a certain way or just, you know, you're definitely fed. I mean, I absolutely was fed because I'm a guy and you do run into that from the beginning to whenever you decide to leave the system. And it is wild. I mean, watching this the first I mean, it took my breath away when she was like, that's rape. I I just didn't expect Buffy to go there because in my head I go into a time capsule where we're not here right now. Right. And it is it is wild. And it's like. It was rape then. It was rape 200 years before that. It's rape 100 years from now. Yeah. It's rape forever. It, it is what it is. And it's like calling it that is is correct. And yeah, it's important to show them change. But, you know, it makes them more evil. I mean, in, in a way, you're using that to make them more evil. Because in the end, they're like, we got away with, we didn't rape her, but we did murder her. And it's like, yeah, we're super villains. We really got away with murder. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah.
2: Cool. Buffy even echoes that at the end of the episode, too, where she's like, it's just another body to you. That woman's dead. Like, this matters. People fucking being hurt and abused and killed matters. I mean, I think she went a little overboard blaming herself for it. But, like, all that's 100% true. And it's just like, it's, you know... 20 years ago, there are plenty of people that would have recognized this as being totally fucked up because it was. I mean, clearly the people writing the show were like, this is super fucked up. But we also lived in a world with Andrew and Jonathan and Warren where like they wouldn't think twice about it. And it's just like really interesting. But we're going to have to deal with this again in fucking Seeing Red. So let's uh, be ready to have that conversation. I still don't really know. Well, it's one thing to have characters
1: doing it as part of a story. I mean, this one's pretty cut and dry. I mean, they literally make a sex not a sex bot but like a physical human being under magic who is going to you know be have this happen to her you know i mean that that is like a super line and an easy line to draw mm-hmm. but like yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see cuz i don't really remember exactly how it all happens for the buffy and spike thing and it's you know that's going to be rough on a on a different level just because it's interpersonal yeah. and it's like people we know whereas this is like clearly fucked up on like 20 different levels
2: yeah
3: yeah one of the things that i was thinking about when we were watching this episode was about like buffy bot or about like the girlfriend um summer was was that her name april? Uh, april april yeah. uh the robot girlfriend that warren made and how like this is so clearly more fucked up than that and like we had a discussion in that episode um made for you about like what are the ethics of making a sex robot We did. Robot? Right. We did. <laughs> what's the line of that and it's like this weird gray area where you're trying to like Side, but like, like you said, this is not a gray area, it's like a line in the sand where it's like it's obvious this is messed up, like, she's a living, breathing human, and you've removed her ability to consent. Like, thinking about it, and I think the reason why you know this was gross from like the very first time I watched it for me is like I can't help but emphasize, emphasize, empathize, empathize with Katrina, like, of these four people in this scene together yeah. like I would be Katrina and so you're just like this is fucked up but I think a lot of people that are watching it are watching it as Jonathan or yeah. are watching it as yeah. Andrew and so you don't think about it like that because it's more like a power fantasy like I'm a nerd a hot woman's never paid attention to me right. Um and it's more about like you know being able to get that attention than thinking about like specifically like <laughs> I want to force an unconsenting woman to have right. sex with me like that's not the way they're thinking about right. it but
2: that's what, that's, that's what it is. That's what
3: it is. But they do a they do a good job in this episode. I feel like this is when you really start to see the crack show between Warren and Jonathan and Andrew, where War- like Jonathan and Andrew are like, "Yeah, crime's fun. Let's be super villains." But then when they get to the point of like actually hurting someone, they're like, "This is fucked up. We should not be doing this." And Warren is like, "This is exactly mm-hmm. what we should be doing." <laughs> and you're like, "Oh
1: no, Warren!" <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, my guess, my, like it was probably a good piece of like character work, but like. The fact that Jonathan and Andrew didn't know Katrina and don't know Warren at all, it raises a lot of questions of, like, how the fuck did they get together? What's going on? And that's probably more of, like, a weakness to it all to me. Like, it's weird that they just don't know each other except for they all, like, kind of have done bad things in town. But how would they all know? I don't know.
3: I like to imagine that Warren put out a personal ad that was like looking for <laughs> su- super villains <laughs> and Jonathan Andrew answered it. Which would it. make
1: sense. I mean, that would be delicious and totally work for me because Jonathan would do it sort of like, yeah, I still want to be this person because I, I was. I know what that feels like. And Andrew, of course, wants to be that. But, man, just not explaining it. It's wild that they don't even know Katrina. Like, in theory, they were they were together for a long time, right? Like, wouldn't they have seen her? Wouldn't they know?
2: Like, um. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I it seems I feel like they met each other over the summer of seasons uh, between season yeah. 5 and season 6. So, he they would have been broken up, but do you, you think he would have talked about her? Maybe. Maybe. I don't,
3: Maybe. I, don't know. I don't know. Do boys do boys talk about their ex-girlfriends
2: with each other. I mean, if they, if Maybe? they did, you would no. know her.
1: You know, today you might be able I mean again yeah. today, you know, 20 years later, you just only Buffy Facebook. could be
2: like, "Oh, that name. I know that name. I know exactly who that sure. is." Oh, and I we'll won't get to that. I got a great
1: <laughs> yell for and that. And he
3: didn't but. even call her Katrina, didn't he? He called her Trina. Mm. Yes. Like, "Trina, yep. don't go." Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: ugh whatever (laughs) but today you would just have Facebook you would just look it up and if they were like you know this is my ex or whatever you would just have a curiosity and you could easily find that information whereas yeah back in the day if you were just like broke up with my girlfriend let's be super villains like yeah I, I get it I guess you just wouldn't know and you move on
3: right what did you
1: do what I had to I went back and I took care of it it doesn't matter now no one will ever find her where'd they find her the river she washed up half a mile from the cemetery
3: Well and it's not like they knew what her name was or anything. True, true. You yeah. know, it's just like a woman. You've never seen a picture of her, so even if he's been like, um, Katrina, my ex, you wouldn't know that's who it is. And they were immediately like, Oh wait, if this is someone you know that we know doesn't want to have sex with you. That, like, there's an issue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a gray area before, but that if it was just a stranger, but, like, now it's definitely wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, they definitely went from, like, yeah, it was gray area, and then it was like, oh, man, Kroos is your ex, but, yeah, we'll still we'll still fuck her, you know, totally. And it's like, no, it's rape. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? No. no. it would never. No, we're not rapists. Would never do that. But I will kill it,
2: you. It uh, made me think a lot of of jessica jones very obviously because the entire first season of jessica jones the bad guy played by david Tennant, uh is this mutant who's uh capable of mind control and he was w- in a relationship with her against her will because he had manipulated her and we're, we're together for years and like the whole thing is her confronting this guy who's a serial fucking rapist because he just like manipulated her into being in love with him you know not not just like a manipulating your emotions kind of way like literally you fucked with her mind and did this terrible thing, and it's very, very similar, and it's just, like, that's the treatment difference, right? Like, we're talking about 2002 here, and versus 2017, and it's, like, unambiguous, obvious, like, that's, of course, what the story would be, is this is fucking wrong, and I'm glad in 2002, also, this is fucking wrong, wrong. so, yeah, it's, uh, just, man, it's a good fucking episode. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're doing better. Alright, so, Let's keep going. I desperately want to know, especially 12-year-old me, what's Willow thinking about? What's, uh, when Tara comes across Willow, or rather, Willow comes across Tara, leaving the magic box, and she's got the, you know, they have the whole conversation. Um, Willow's, you know, they're going to walk away. Tara turns around and says, I'm glad you're doing better. And she gives her kind of like a like, uh, smile. And then Willow's just standing there that that picture that Daniel has which is perfect. Uh-huh. And then we get that fucking amazing bush Gavin Rosdale song cue immediately. I'm so glad we start on Willow's face because it's like, ooh, that's a beautiful sound. What a what a, I there's way too much reverb in that song. I got to give it to you, but the music is very 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 cool. So, station, what do you think she's thinking? Cuz like I can't read her expression. I don't know if she's like sad or like expecting Tarot should have said more or like I don't know. What do you think? X's are weird. Yeah,
3: <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to put myself in her
2: shoes. I
3: mean, I think it's just like, shit. Look what I lost. Right. Such a fuck up.
2: <laughs> I mean, Kimono <laughs> aside, she looks great, and you know she's. Yeah,
3: she. I'm I sure. mean, it's interesting too because like you see Willow. You know, we see her at the bronze, and she's talking to Buffy, and she's like, you know, some days are harder than the really hard days, which is, like, really sad. And, like, I think about when she broke up with Oz and how messed up she was about that and how, you know, she's feeling the same way with Tara. Um, But then, you know, you see her walking down the street with Xander, and she's making the joke about, like, the jive muscle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the The funky monkey got another victim or something. And she seems, like, so totally like weightless and carefree and just like easy and happy and then to immediately see Tara and be like, Fuck, yeah, that's right. My life is (laughs) terrible.
2: (laughs) I thought for a second I could be happy with my friend, but no. That's I
3: think I think she it feels like she was kind of trying to put out a feeler to be like, Look, I'm I'm fixed. Come back to me. Like, you know, I fixed the problem and, you know, Tara is very much like, Good for you, Willow. Goodbye now. And then, you know, to just be like My God. (laughs) Like, we're strangers. She got to turn
1: around. I mean, she did. She got got to look back. She got to look back and talk back. So I think it went. I know,
3: but it's not like she was like, oh, that's great. Let's go to coffee and talk about it. You know, it was just like, okay,
2: bye. So, Daniel, do you think that's what that is? It's a mix of just like sadness and like, oh, I thought maybe she would be really impressed with the fact that I haven't done a spell in 32 days and she didn't really. That's it. The
1: 32 (laughs) days. I mean, counting. You know, all of that stuff again, it's like. She's got it ready. And also, like, it's like the, what we were talking about, the light willow character you know we know what's inside of her and it's going to get really dark but like this did feel nice it was like hanging out with your friends joking around you know obviously they're setting up for things to go south very quickly but it was nice it was really nice to have her just be like sort of talking too much and being kind of her her old self you know trying to talk to tara and even Tara's kind of like wow you know i haven't probably encountered this willow in a long time the one that just talks and is goofy and you know, says too much, so I even I gotta go because this is making me feel weird. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm too hot. To stick to
2: my convictions. We're broken up.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just smoked a bowl in there. It's too much right now. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I do. Uh, you know, exactly exactly what Stacia said was was perfect. So
2: it's oh, quickly the jacket she's wearing is the same one she wears when she's Dark mm. Willow, so I don't know if we're supposed to read into that at all. Mm.
3: But! That she's got a limited amount of clothes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: How dare she?
1: She has um, Joyce's closet. I she mean, doesn't think to, you know, take some of her clothes? What's going on?
2: Joyce's closet? Ew. What do you do? No. Don't take Joyce's clothes? I
1: don't what? know. Doesn't Joyce have clothes in her <laughs> closet?
2: No, Joyce is dead! At first it was fun, you know? They seem like they were in this really good mood. Not like parents. And
3: then...
1: Badness. Mom started borrowing my clothes. There should be an age limit unlike her pants. And Dad, he just locked himself in the bathroom with old copies of Esquire.
3: <laughs> the dead famously
2: don't have,
1: don't have gloves. gloves. They don't They just disappear. They get buried with mm-hmm. her. Come on.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a really big testament to Tara's character um, that she does walk away. That she doesn't just like Agreed. give in immediately. Like, okay, you did the thing. Uh, that's all I cared about. And I really still want to be with you. So let's just get back together. Fuck it. Let's yeah. not learn any lessons and just immediately fall back into old habits. Yeah. It takes a lot to do that. Uh, especially when you do still love someone right after a breakup, it's totally. like really, really tough to to stay away. So I'm impressed with that. I would say
1: another, um, another aspect that, that makes this episode so fucking great. And obviously we know how it's going to end and it sucks, but man, to, to bring Tara back in as a character, this episode does like all the work, not only with that subtlety with Willow and stuff, but just the end with fucking Buffy, which we'll get to. It's just okay. masterful stuff. It like it makes you remember that you love Tara. And she's now integral. She knows things. And they, she's always been that character yes. a little bit. Like she'll just know something about the plot that other people she's don't. The yes, and I fucking yeah. love it. And so, again, it's like that just lovely character work. He understands the character so well. And I just, oh, kudos. I love it so much.
2: Yeah, she's essential mm-hmm. in this episode because you need that other person. Spike was the other person forever. That, you know, like, he's outside the group, Mm -hmm. so I can do all my secrets, do whatever. But it's like, well, who do you talk to now? And it's like, boom, there's Tara. It's excellent. So, uh, and I, in this episode about removing people's consent to bring Tara back, that's why she left in the first place. You know, it's tough. It's it's tough. It's tough stuff. You're never here.
3: You can't even stand to be around me. That is not true. You don't want to be here with me. You didn't want to come back. I know that. You were happier where you were. You want to go away again. Done.
0: Then go. You're not really here anyway.
2: So the last big thing I want to talk about is Buffy trying to turn herself into the cops. Um, Spike says, what are you doing? And she says the right thing for once. And I think... That is just, like, so bonkers. Wrong. Wrong. Uh, I don't know, like, how she is in this place where she's just decided she's done no good in her life, that she's never made the right choice, that just by dint of fucking sleeping with Spike, she's rendered every good deed she's ever done in her life. Like, doesn't matter. I've never done anything good. I mean, like, I get self-pity to a point, but, like, this is some serious self-flagellation. And I just uh, have some, some questions. So, Stasia. Why is Buffy taking this so hard? Why does she, especially given the circumstances, just like Spike points out, time's going crazy. You barely hit this girl. She fucking fell down. How is that your fault? Like, why Why is she doing this? Why is she acting like this? Because she thinks she came back wrong. You think it's all just from that? That, like, she's convinced herself that she's... I mean, she doesn't have the confirmation from Terry yet, so she could still be on that train of, like, I, I must be a demon. I must be that. Oh, I
3: don't know if she thinks she's a demon, but I think she's... Very, very clearly thinks that, like, she needs an out. She needs to know why she wants to have sex with Spike and why she's doing these things that she knows that she never would have in the past. And if there's something wrong with her because of her being brought back, um, then, like, that's a good excuse for that. And so if you're thinking the reason why I'm having these feelings about Spike is because there's something, like just deeply wrong with me and I can't fix it then yeah I did kill her and I fucked up and I'm dangerous and I'm unsafe and I shouldn't be around Dawn like I can't protect her if this is the way things are going I should go to the cops and turn myself in because that's what's best for everyone I mean I think that makes a lot of sense in your head when you're like freaking out about it and I think it's also really easy when you're in like a depressive state to like have a very narrow focus and to think about just like the last couple of months and not like your entire life, Mm -hmm. you know, like all she's, all she's seeing in her, in her, um, vision, like line of sight is her having sex with Spike and all the shame she feels about it and how she's like distant from her friends and she's never around Dawn. And like, that's all she feels like she is right now.
2: Yeah. It's, they just caught her at the exact right time kind of thing. Like, you know, Buffy in a month from now or Buffy, you know, three years ago, this doesn't happen to her. Right. But like she's given all that's happened this, this season and coming back and everything. It's just like, yeah, yeah, please. This is exactly what I need. Someone to tell me that I did something really bad. But Daniel, do you think that it's a little over the top, especially like, you know, speaking with consequences in mind too, specifically where it's like, we've dealt with this exact thing and a human accidentally got killed. Faith was even more, uh, or rather less of an accident, right? Because we always have that moment right before she stabs uh, Deputy Mayor Alan Finch. Buffy says, no, wait. And and she doesn't, uh, you know, and like if the stake was in Buffy's hand, that guy didn't die, you know, because she has just better reaction time, smarter, whatever you want to say. But what we ne- we never turned her in. It was never on the table. Buffy kind of said, maybe you should. But even that, she didn't make faith. She didn't turn faith in. And immediately we had Giles to, to deal with it, you know, Giles and Wesley to deal with it. So- why did she why did she go to the cops, man?
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I can understand why Sarah Michelle Gellar feels like some sort of like this is in Buffy or whatever. But I think it's like important to the whole of Buffy. Like, I think it does work. You know, it's, she deals with the same sort of feelings, even from like season one, two and three. Like the stuff with Faith was a really trying period of her life. And I think what you said about catch her a week before, catch her a week after. And you might not be going through This sort of thing. But exactly what you said, Stacia, all she is, is these mistakes that she does. And if she doesn't believe she's like herself, she might think of herself as dangerous. And it's almost a pretext to get her off the streets and go away. And maybe she thinks that's what everybody wants. I don't know. I mean, as a show watcher thing, like I, I give it a pass. And because I love this episode so much, I want to look further into it. And I think that that's the answers right there. But all I could think is like, I want to start a tracker. If I ever, we ever go back and start from the beginning tracker to this episode, how many inadvertent deaths does Buffy the vampire slayer cause watch through and we'll see. And that's obviously a spike argument, You know, where you're like, well, how many people do you say versus how many people? And this is a real person and blah, blah, blah. But it's crazy. I mean, you could drive yourself nuts trying to think of things like that. And at the end of the day, you're a superhero. So philosophically, it's hard to get on the right side of this. And Spike looks bad for saying things. Buffy looks silly for saying other things. Who's right? Who's wrong? It's kind of power. And Buffy's the one asserting her power. So in a way, she's right. And if she wants to turn herself into the police, who's going to fucking stop her, not her family, not her friends, not her love Er, you yeah. know, so in the in the end, power is going to win. I don't think she's right to do it. I think the whole show would say that she's wrong. To do it. And I think yeah. as a viewer, you're supposed to be like, what the fuck, Buffy? Come on.
0: Then to the Sunnydale <laughs> PD
1: in this building we've never seen before. This could be a whole like, you know, this could be a demon pop up. You have no idea. You've never so been in this cops. place before. So many gaps.
3: I, I wonder if her turning herself into the police, like, becomes sort of this um, symbolism for being a hero for her. Like, we were talking about with the trio where they were like, we were like, ah, sex spot. I don't know, that's a gray area. But, like, turning a woman into a willing sex slave, that, that's a hard line in the sand. That you don't cross over because that does make you a villain, like a real villain. Um that if for Buffy she's like, I can do all of these things with Spike and that's a gray area, but like murder is not. And if I let this slide, then I'm saying I'm not the hero I'm supposed to be. And so I have to go to the police because like otherwise I'm admitting that I am the bad thing. But well, Spike's
1: right to be like they will why would they believe any of this? I mean they're probably incompetent I mean, so they yes, would say there's a functionally, body.
3: It doesn't make any sense. But I think like if you were Buffy and you were like, I know I killed this person If I am a hero, I need to, you know, do my penance for that.
1: But you're hearing earshot voices. In my head, you've been in this game too long. (laughs) You know there's a spell. You know there's some bullshit going down. You just met your (laughs) arch nemesis last episode. Why do you not think that they are involved in some way? I'd be like, bro what's going on and obviously it'd be hard because you could go and run them down but you wouldn't even think about Katrina because that happened so long ago so you could run them down and be like hey you guys fucking with my fucking head and they'll be like no we don't know what you're talking about and they would have they'd be right you know I mean that was their whole they were banking on this whole thing either she was going to do something to like go to jail or she was just going to be like well that was weird and move on
0: what did you do
1: what I had to I went back and I took care of it it doesn't matter now no one will ever find her Where'd they find her? The river. She washed up half a mile from the cemetery.
2: Well, I think that the thing that makes it's just the unfun machinations of what actually happened is what frustrates me, because, like, you just hit her in the face and she fell down. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, there's a chance, I know you're super strong, and Spike did punch through a fucking demon <laughs> right before this. So, like, I get it, you guys are strong, and maybe just punching her in the face could kill her, but like, she fell down, man. This is... This is the most accident. You killed so many knights of Byzantium on purpose. I cannot, I will not forget this, Muffy. <laughs> so like, so for her to really harp on this, I, I think you're, you're right. It has to be just like the state of mind she's in. And clearly I think this ties into her breakdown with Tara at the end where she's saying, don't forgive me. This is another moment where Spike's saying like, it's okay. It's not your fault. It's okay. And she's like, no, fucking... I have principles, I think, and this yeah. is not okay. Someone please hold me accountable for something. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ.
3: Spike can't be my moral compass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is all good stuff. That's
1: good shit. I like that.
2: Yeah.
1: That yeah. was the thing I struggled we're with the buffy. most. I'm glad we talked about it because that actually does clarify it a bit for me. Because I was just more angry. At, well, not really angry, but just like, it's hard not to sympathize with Spike. I think we're kind of supposed to, too, where it's just like, we, we just know too much. And we get it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you kind of have to see the the individual spiral for Buffy. Um, not to sit, not to mention the horsies, but you know, you got to be in the spiral <laughs> and she is in the spiral and that's, hey, she hit Stephen the bottom. Hey, Steven
2: tonight, man. So. Spiral. It's all it's coming all together. together. Well, no, sorry. That was James A. Conner. He did spiral anyway. But yes, that's, uh, it's. This is Buffy's Rock Bottom, right? We yeah. dealt with Willow's Rock Bottom a couple episodes ago and now this is this is Buffy's. Like yeah. the, that painful realization that like, oh my God, I've been in charge of my actions this whole time yeah. and I don't like what I did. And I'm
1: glad that they had the fight too, because if we left it at Sarah Michelle Geller saying to well to, to Buffy saying to Dawn you know, I have to go to the police. Like I laughed out loud. It's so silly and stupid. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm really glad that we kind of fleshed that out a bit more and have Spike standing over the yeah. police sign. Like a lot of great little images and stuff like that. That kind of like made me forget. Like the the good parts about Dawn, but her just being like, I have to turn myself into the police. I'm glad Dawn's just like, You're a fucking. Well, even John be like, What the, <laughs> what the fuck? fuck? <laughs> 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 Someone's gotta Why
2: would you ever go to oh, the police? My God.
1: Even she knows Come better. On, man. It's wild. And the police. But Come I, on. I, uh, oh, I
2: At least the trio were like, Buffy's going to figure this out. Not for a second were they worried about the cops. they like, Buffy's going to figure that this out. That was my yell. We know the yeah. Sunnydale LPD will They not. did
3: not even consider it. I do love that. I do love that Buffy went to her sister and she was like, "Don, I murdered someone and I'm going to go to the cops. And Dawn
2: is like, you just wanted an excuse to leave. <laughs> but I think that little moment, that, that really felt to me that it spoke to a lot what you said about Buffy thinks she's dangerous Mm. there was something about that moment where I was like I could see Buffy just like strangling the shit out of Dawn right now for some reason the tone of the episode or the tone of the scene was not that Buffy was violent but that she was feeling she had a weird tone
3: in her voice yeah
2: she was feeling like she was capable of killing anyone and it was like really well done man SMG so good I mean if you
3: if you were Buffy and you started doubting that you could trust yourself to be safe around your friends and you were a superhero, yeah, that would be really scary. If you're like, what is inside me? I'm making these bad choices. I don't trust myself. Which is interesting, you know, thinking about at the beginning when Spike says, do you trust me? And Buffy says, never. Mm. And she's kind of talking about herself in that moment, too. She's like, I don't trust myself. I don't trust you. Nothing is right right now. Well, she says to (laughs) Spike, she says,
1: nothing just happens, which is a wild thing to say. It's like accidents do happen. Things do just happen, but if you believe this Calvinist, like we're all, everything's all set on a track. Nothing just happens. Like me killing this person was, you know, th- these, cr- you know, I don't know. It's it's a wild belief to have, and I don't believe that Buffy really thinks that.
2: I mean, I don't know how hard she believes it. I think she just said that in the moment. But also, you could see somebody who has a destiny, right? Like fate, man made you the Slayer. You could kind of believe in that kind of shit. I guess bit. that's it's
1: true. Like, no, everything happens. But we don't reason. lean into that enough you as have a to. show. So it's kind of like we got to we got to leave that stuff at the door. But you might be right.
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think that that's. A normal day for Buffy is that she's not like that person. But in a moment of weakness, you mm. could, of course, any, you're going to you're going to just self soothe with with any bad idea you have when you're in that it's kind true. of state where you're just true. like, yep, everything's awful. This is why, of course, I did that shit on purpose because I'm a bad person. Right. And, you know, all I can say is hopefully in four episodes, she doesn't get stabbed by a demon and then try to kill all of her friends because that would be a nightmare. That right? would
1: be crazy right. if that were to happen.
2: Embarrassing. <laughs> um,
1: how do you come back? That's the end of the show. You kill the demon. You got to
2: kill the demon. I mean, clearly. You are looking a little pounded. Just around the eyes. I think this is a great time to remind everyone that we're a real podcast, and you can find us everywhere at Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. It's uh, at Beat Me Pod. Like, if the apocalypse comes, beat me, but then pod at the end and just beat me. Uh, we also have a website, beatmepod.wordpress.com, that has, like, references and notes about our show here. And most importantly, one could say, it has a link to our Spotify playlist. That's right. I make a list of all the songs that we use in our podcast, as well as any songs that are in the episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hopefully that sweet Bush song is uh, on Spotify. I'm sure it is. Uh, and you can find that playlist on spotify if you search beat me hyphen fun time playlist for podcast fans season six it'll be right there all right next thing it's time to yell
3: i'm gonna start the yelling great buffy (laughs) is wrapped up in a mother flipping carpet do you know how uncomfortable the backside of a carpet would be to have rubbing up against your near near flesh (laughs) naked flesh yeah. How does she even end up under the carpet? Like, what kind of sexcapades were they doing that they ripped up the carpet and flipped it on <laughs> top of themselves? I just don't understand. I've got her
1: in a rug on top of other rugs. Like, these are just stacked yes. rugs. Which is so, many so rugs. fucked up.
3: Spike has been busy stealing rugs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, clearly.
1: Uh, we'll just go to the obvious one here. Uh, Jonathan pulls out a couple of records out of out of the bin. We get a couple glimpses nice. of records. Number one, Frampton comes alive, 1976. Everybody knows this record. Eight million copies have been sold. He talks, his guitar talks. And do you feel like we did? So I don't
2: know this right now. Well,
1: it'll be in the episode, I'm sure. So there you go. But yeah, you'll you'll you
2: feel like I do. You'll
1: recognize it when you hear it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I went to rate your music just to look up all of these because uh, the other ones are a little bit harder to find. But my favorite uh, rate your rate your music comment was, do you think that Peter Frampton's friends call him the Framp? It's a good question. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, The second one that's here that's in uh, Andrew's hand is the sound of Philadelphia 73. And it's a compilation record that has uh, most famously the OJs and then uh, a bunch of Philadelphia soul bands, the Intruders, Ebony's uh billy paul the futures so just kind of a compilation from 1973 then we get another shot around and we see uh, a white record that's that says being with you that's all i could do so i just looked that up uh it's from mystic moods orchestra and they were doing a lot of stuff back in the day that we you know that are pretty commonplace now if you listen to like lo-fi hip-hop in a like it, they're all themed. I'm in a cafe, it's raining, and I'm listening to hip hop. Mm. Or I'm in a Bioshock world, and I'm underwater, and I'm listening to old timey music. That's what they were doing back in the day. They're mm. taking string stuff, they're taking songs, and they're overlaying trains or rain or whatever. Huh. Um, so, not a lot of like critical recognition, as far as I can tell. But he he is listening. He has Mystic Moods is the band, uh, the orchestra, and Being with You is the album the best rate your music comment is from their 1969 album called extensions the guy's comment was this band is a money making opportunity for me he says quote i bought the extensions their 1969 record for $6.99 on the 29th of may 2000 at warehouse entertainment number 8529 in raleigh north carolina and i sold it for $18.51 on the 10th of june 2000 on <laughs> ebay that's a that's a markup. Wow. I mean, you made about twelve dollars. So that is my favorite comment uh, for Mystic Boots. Tells you everything you need to know. Oh, wow. Really. So I don't know about Andrew's taste in music is what I'm saying. Tough.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly, I think this is the uh, the goodwill, what the art department could grab at the last second real, kind though. of thing. I saw a thing on the the wiki when I was looking at this episode that Phantom Comes Alive is the best-selling live rock album. I think it's album. one of them. Yeah, it's true. definitely
1: one of them. I mean, 8 million is uh, massive. I think it's 11 million total records. It might be the number one, but oh. it's definitely in like, the top is five.
3: That a, is that a diamond record?
2: I don't fucking know. I don't oh, know it would be diamond
1: is. if it's 10 million in the US, so it's not diamond. Oh, okay. Gotcha.
2: Platinum? It's platinum.
1: Yeah. I mean, 1 million is platinum, so it's eight times platinum. Yeah. Okay. Well, go. Yeah. Daniel knows. Okay. Of
2: course Daniel knows. Eight it's platinum. platinum
3: eight, plat. eight platinum eight plat for the framp
1: are people still uh, for the framp? are people buying it still see that's a good question i mean people are probably streaming it so that's probably slowly ticking up toward a diamond we'll 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 break it to you guys here when when they hit diamond when the framp hits diamond
2: <laughs> the framp oh god um so what do you think spike was gonna say Um, uh, when they're at the beginning when they're under the, the very uncomfortable carpets um, Buffy's talking about, uh, I was thinking about redecorating my room. And then Spike says, or starts to say, well, if you want, I could. And then he stops himself to interrupt the conversation they're having to say, are we having a conversation? And completely derail the conversation and cause Buffy to leave. But what do you think he was going to say? He's like, well, if you so. want, I could find you some posters, give you one of my many fucking rugs. Like, what do you think he, he was going to say? Steal some rugs for you? Yeah. <laughs> what was he going to say? Because like, he help doesn't. Paint. <laughs> maybe. But he doesn't strike me as a handy person. So, like, I don't know, and, I, like, his taste is gonna be different than Buffy's, I just have a feeling. I don't know how much good he could do is what I'm saying.
3: Wow. Brutal. Anyway,
2: Brutal. Uh, I thought it
3: was funny, and I know that this isn't very feminist of me, but I thought it was funny when Katrina called uh, Warren Sexbot a wind-up slut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> slut! For our slut compilation! Know, yes. But the wind-up slut you tinker together? Or when little Miss Nuts and Bolts try to choke me to death?
2: Okay, so, I've made a few mistakes.
1: No. No, I didn't. I uh, confirmed that the Double Meat Palace loses money with every new employee because, yeah, Buffy Summers, new name tag, does not say trainee on it. So they have now bought her oh, yeah? another name tag. I just, I never <laughs> thought we would actually see it again, but surely it's there. I love it.
2: And Gina! Gina's, Gina's back! back. Who Called
1: her by her name, which I totally respect. I, I love it. Good stuff. Good stuff from Double Meat.
2: Um, so Tara's like... Immediately thinks that Willow did something wrong when Buffy was like, "I needed your help." So I was like, "Oh God, what a deal! What a I fucking deal!" I knew Willow it. Do. I knew it. And then Buffy says, "Oh no, no, you know, like no, she didn't hurt anyone. Everything's fine." I'm like, "You mean except for fucking Dawn? Yeah, she for did that. very much hurt Dawn." <laughs> I just like That's I Never the, clocked like, that. It's so funny. I, I thought about that. I get that you're like trying oh, not no. to step on any Oh no, she hasn't hurt anyone since she broke Don's arm. <laughs> yeah, right. Drove like
1: car the into an I wish past. she had said
2: that and then Tara was like, what? <laughs> I wish so too because like give Tara the facts. This woman's mind has been manipulated by Willow. The last thing she needs is someone else sugarcoating her fucking bad deeds. The, the worst part like, is
1: Buffy doesn't actually like, I don't know about if she cares about that. Like Tara yeah. is this, like, she already Tara's forgot this person to unload on. Because she's cool and she's in the background, but how much does Buffy care about Tara's day-to-day life? I don't know if she does. (laughs) She probably forgot that they broke up and thought they were just together. And then that question came out. I was like, (laughs) "Fuck, that's right, they're broken up. I can't do that." That's
2: right, you guys broke up. No, she's fine.
1: Yeah, she didn't try to kill my sister. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Whatever you heard, it's loud. We're not worried about that right right
2: now. (laughs) So
3: about me, (laughs) gosh, I don't really understand this whole cerebral dampener. Suddenly, like. When I hear cerebral dampener, I think it makes you dumber. Why would she immediately be like, I love you, master?
2: Oh my, yeah, the way this thing works huh? makes no sense. I mean, it, it, thank God it's magic because that means it has no rules because we've discussed magic has no rules in this world. Uh, because yeah, what the fuck? What are, how does this, what? So I would think, yes, that you lose cognitive function, not like cerebral dampler, dampener means. Sex robot, <laughs> <laughs> right? If you have a damp
1: cerebral.
2: Watch out, world.
1: I'm looking at the screenshot I took, which is when he's what he's uh, unleashing. This is the dampener on poor Katrina, and like he's wearing glasses because you have to. But the mother, you can see in this shot that there is a poor waitstaff guy grabbing some oh, burgers yeah. for a couple over there. That man turns around and looks. He's getting damp. He's getting a damp cerebral, he's and he's gonna damped. be like getting on his knees what are we doing here do you
3: do you think he turned around and he was also like i, I love, love you master, master. <laughs> and then warren just walked Should, away and he's like
2: or no just to like a sous chef right yeah. just like i love you master that guy's like what but the everyone fuck?
1: everyone in that restaurant though like can you imagine these two people are standing up he's pulling out this really bright yeah. object everyone's looking
2: yeah we're all
1: looking what are we doing
2: no one's noticed yeah. I just look, everyone's looking around like you guys all saw Men in Black right that was some Men in Black shit right right <laughs> with the sunglasses I know it was five years ago but we remember right it's relevant
1: <laughs> speaking of this moment I mean Warren's got fucking live streaming on his motherfucking tie like 15 oh, years yeah, before mm-hmm. you're live streaming as a fucking culture I love it man they could have put all of this to like, good use the quality is excellent it travels well. You don't need Wi-Fi. Who's got Wi-Fi back in the day? I love it.
3: They could have sold that and become millionaires. But Billionaires. I mean, no, it's wild. They just wanted
0: to do.
1: They're in the right place to too. Too bad, Sunnydale. Stuff. I mean, it's just drive up to. Yeah, right. Come out. I want you to track someone down on the net.
2: Oh, great! I'm so the net girl. Um, I mean, I'm sure someone was going to say it, but Xander. Oh my God, the things that he said in this episode: slinging the double meat and pounding the big <laughs> mm-hmm. evil. And also, when you're done lubricating, Uh I just like, yeah. Can you stop? Can't help (laughs) himself. Every line. What do you do? That's why in in a
1: in a worse situation, this would be a horrible episode of Buffy because those jokes wouldn't be like. But they're so funny. That's all he says too. That's, like all we he has them. to offer. Yeah, I know. That's like all his dialogue. <laughs> or it's like nectar yeah, of the working spraining class. Spraining his funky monkey
2: or whatever. Yeah. Like every single line was just bad shit. <laughs> they don't respect you goofy him. Old man. What are you
1: they doing? don't respect him as a character. I love it. It's so funny.
2: <laughs> they kind of forgot about him. It's I mean, you can really tell that that Xander was always an avatar for Joss Whedon 100%. So Joss Whedon's not quite as involved anymore and now Xander's not so when much Anya in the shit. Anya gets the anymore. jokes.
1: Anya's like <laughs> (laughs) uh, becomes Mm -hmm. the funniest character on the show, gets all the jokes that Xander would have got. I mean, Xander's still got a couple, but yeah, you're totally right. It's wild. What, with slinging the double meat and pounding the big evil? Cool, Cool. well, shimmy on out when you're done lubricating. Nectar of the working myth.
2: Uh, Warren is so hairy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. I forgot we saw the full, uh, I think his last name is... Warren? (laughs) Well, I think his last (laughs) name is Bush, too. I think his name's Adam Bush, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. yeah. Exactly <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunate because we see the full Warren chest bush. <laughs> I thought we only saw it at the, the very last, or not, uh, two to go because Willow does the bullet. Like, she rips open his chest mm. or his shirt and th- puts the bullet through. And I was like, I have a very vivid memory of how hairy his chest is because of that scene. But I was like, oh, look, there it is. It's right there. It's <laughs> oh, all look. over. Oh, goody. <laughs> oh, goody.
1: Can't wait for his flesh to go. Bye-bye. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yes.
1: Uh, um... And- someone's got to say it too. dawn sleeping over janice's when that first started i just like lost my mind and so i'm glad that it was a joke and another great callback to a previous episode you could throw add that to my list
3: couldn't you just stay at janice's another night her mom's cooking mexican she's gonna teach me how to make real tortillas
1: um i love buffy's line about her lobotomy or whatever but i'm just gonna say like okay willow fucking called and did it she's a fucking witch bro
0: her sister was a witch right (laughs) And what was her sister? <laughs> a princess. The Wicked Witch of the East, bro. <laughs> I'm going to stab him. You're going to look at me and you're
1: going to tell me that I'm wrong?
0: Am I wrong?
1: She wore a crown and she came down in a bonga. Hey, I'm not fighting with you. Grow up, I'm not fighting bro. With you.
2: Grow yeah. up. Get educated. Like,
1: by- no, we don't need. I don't trust Willow. <laughs> I need to talk to Janice's mom straight up. So Puffy, again, totally negligent. Doesn't give a fuck as long as she's got cover for letting Dawn go, it, it's wild to me. Uh, is it...
2: Well, and I think if that was actually Janice's mom, because Willow's like, Janice's mom is picking her up. She kept laying horn. on that horn. Yeah, what a rude say, jerk. That does not seem like who mom honks
1: the horn and doesn't show up to be like, hey...
2: That seems like Janice's mom's and she's behavior. A t- oh, maybe, terrible yeah, mom. Is,
1: terrible mom. Is uh, is was it just me, though? Or did the camera go blurry during that scene as well? Dawn became like a blurry mess. I didn't take a yeah, screenshot. Okay. Yeah, Uh Okay. That was, was pretty yeah. wild. And then just... Mm-hmm. I can't... I cannot believe, like... Janice's mom is making Mexican and is going to show Dawn how to make real tortillas. <laughs> Fucking what the hell is this? I love it so much. I made mean, a banana. I love it. Or we're not doing uh, peanut butter and banana uh, quesadillas. Yeah, she'll learn She'll that's learn right. something. So you got to let her go. She'll
3: be like, I know what we can do with these tortillas.
2: <laughs> you guys going to charge Jeff later, Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: I love it so much. I really do. Nice young, got to be some more girls we could kill.
2: I mean, I think it needs to be said. Bazoom, bazoom, bus, bazoom, bus, bazoom, bus, bazoom, bus. Oh, no. <laughs> did it not need to be said? No. Mm-hmm. Stacia, you can say what you want to say then.
3: Uh, I, I just, I found myself thinking this, and I'm sorry, but do we think that Warren had sex with Katrina when they were Ooh. dating? Or oh, no? Oh. I
1: think, yeah. I think it's a yes.
3: I feel like, yeah. I feel like he wouldn't be so hung up on her if he had.
1: Mm. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good point.
2: No, I, I think really they, like they her. probably did. Because I think I don't think he would have gotten rid of April if they they hadn't darkly. I think that if I thought they
3: broke up over April.
2: Well, okay, so they they were dating and he sent her April away because he started dating Katrina. And it, I don't think he would have sent April away if they were if he still needed her.
3: You think so? Yeah. It's not more like just like, I know I have He did say girl. in that episode, no, too, that so. he was like, you they... can't
1: compare the two. Like, once you have a like a real yeah, girl, he... like, that's why I didn't mm. want her because she was fake. Yeah. Tough. And then and I then this happens. He's this a liar. Question. I
2: regret asking this question. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He is a fucking liar. So what, Jesus what do you know?
1: Christ. Uh, Andrew answered. is wearing. I don't know if I even got it, but Andrew's wearing a, a shirt for Garden Lane's uh tuesday and thursday league night in orange grove california if you want to call that phone number at 714 kl5 1212 (laughs) Uh, i got to shout out the art department man not only with that but with buffy's shirt which maybe somebody was gonna say too the summer camp shirt Uh, fucking amazing Mm. um and what does it actually say uh let's see
2: it's like brownies and something something um I never could have read the very bottom of it because it it said something else. Yeah, at the it's not a oh, real word. Oh, it's brownie
1: brownies, brownies and Davidson and
3: Davidson core core camp core
1: camp belong together. Yeah. Belong together. That's it. Oh, uh, belong together oh, is on the bottom.
2: Oh, so map. it's like a Girl Scout shirt. It is that was sponsored by Davidson. Well, I Corps looked company, it up. I so guess. I looked it up,
1: and um, there's no reference of this at all. And I found a, an old you know forum post from 2003 where they're like. I think that they just made this up and then later seeing Andrew's shirt, which is totally fake. It's like, God, even like I love this episode even more. Like we make two iconic shirts (laughs) that are total bullshit for no reason at all. And it's excellent. I think that this is just from the show. Just like with the artwork above Tara's bed, you know, there's no prisoner that has that name or whatever. Whatever's happening there Mm -hmm. is just like an original piece of art that has no explanation, which I love. Today we would commodify this like you just buy this on whatever shop. But man, you know, back in the day, where do we Mm -hmm. find something like this? You got to make it yourself. It's pretty cool.
2: I mean, I, I, I I hope it is what it looks like, which is a a thrift store find that somebody added, you know, cut cut up and added elastic around the uh, the. The neck and the the arms it was just like some weird or fucking thing that someone had a joke. from the 70s a joke
1: too i mean it could just be oh, totally a be thing there. that they just thought hey it'd be funny Let's do okay it.
2: so was spike just waiting around at the bronze was he just like waiting for buffy to show up was he just there because he wanted to go to the bronze is he actively stalking buffy i think he's actively stalking buffy okay and also why why are you making her look at her friends while you're you're doing that that's so gross Why? I know it's like a weird power thing, but like Buffy, no, (laughs) close your eyes, walk away, stop this. (laughs) You don't have to do this. Stop wearing
3: skirts in public.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to do this above your friends. There are. This is a public access stairway. We've seen people up here. Willow and her friend Amy, two witches that you should not be. In letting in your life as much as you do. We're up here fucking cursing people. And now...
3: They don't even need on. to go up there. They just need to look up. Like, look up. and like, <laughs> yeah, to the left. Like, what the
1: fuck? Uh, they'd be horrified. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I hate it. They just want to get caught. That's what the whole scene was Muffy about. Buffy does.
3: Uh, the coroner did a terrible job.
2: The coroner? The oh, for oh! That the was thing. investigating yeah. Katrina's oh, death God. or whatever.
3: Yeah, uh, it ruled a suicide. How? What? Um, what the hell? She has a broken neck, head trauma, and she was found in the river, but she wouldn't have any water in her lungs because she didn't die of right. drowning. What are we doing? Another classic, Sunny Willard. Day Bats. Me. I've got my eye on you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. I know your name, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 you stupid motherfucker. You made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Who's paying you off? With and it? then.
3: Like, uh, so Daniel screenshot of the coroner's summary report that says ruling suicide, but then it says victim sustained injuries consistent with a fall. Did she? <laughs> what? Fall from where? She's in the river. <laughs> and then 21-year-old Katrina Silber's death appears to have been caused by an accidental drowning or suicide. W- eh? Yeah. <laughs> so it could have been an accidental drowning, not suicide? I,
2: just, I mean... You know, maybe she killed herself by drowning, drowning herself, herself, which is brutal. Brutally. That's but brutal. But
3: not an accidental drowning.
2: Not if it was she a suicide. She jumped in the
1: river, hit her purpose. head on a rock, yeah. which she meant to do, yeah. Can... and then drown.
3: None of this makes any sense. Consistent with a fall. Consistent with a fall? She fell into the river? Is that <laughs> the fall? We all fall in
1: rivers all the time, and we hurt ourselves really bad when we jump in rivers. We break, we break our her necks, necks and
3: get head blunt force head yep. trauma. Yep, that's right. And then um, die before any water enters Absolutely. our lungs. Yeah, that yep. makes sense.
2: Yep. Um, and then, like, just to, about that, you know, Spike being like, I took care of it. And then then be like, yeah, we found the body immediately. Uh, again, yeah. this is, you know, Bad Girls, where they actually kill DMF, where Faith says... I took it, I waited it, I dumped it, and mm-hmm. like they're never going to find anything, and then
1: immediately... <laughs> Didn't catch that, yeah, and that's absolutely not very good it, man. This. That's another one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, you- I
1: just... We already kind of said it, but I just... I want it to be very clear. This town, which we've seen, the social department... Social services in this town are terrible. We just met literal social services, and then this fucking quarters bullshit, the cops are a pop-up event that happens in town sometimes... Um,
0: this town, it was no social
1: services. I just, I laughed really hard when Jonathan was like, Buffy's going to find the link. Doesn't say Buffy right away, but it's like, they're going to find a link uh, for Buffy. And it's like, not the cops who can easily solve this with witnesses at the restaurant (laughs) that some bullshit went down, the defensive wounds on Warren's fucking face. The fact that Andrew and Jonathan would fucking fold like a wet napkin. Uh, if an officer even showed up in their vicinity but no buffy for buffy to solve you know the girl that works at the fast food restaurant what are we doing (laughs) (laughs) it's out of control everyone's out of control
2: but they're right it's so they're so right so great Double meat is double sweet. Enjoy. Thanks. No spells for 32 days. Where are we counting from? Are we counting from the end of Gone? Are we counting from Double Meat Palace? When, I mean, I know it was against your will, but you did get juiced up and you did touch some stuff that melted. So,
1: it was uh, February 2nd on there, counting? so you can count backwards as far as I'm concerned. So that probably, this is the yeah. date of the episode. It probably goes directly back to the exact episode. They probably wrote it exactly for... That's right. To line up perfectly. That's my guess, but I didn't check mm, it. Mm. The last one, I just have to say my cop rant, I was going to do it, but it's averted, man. Um, I'm not going to do it, mainly because mm. I don't have the fucking stamina, and I just did it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah, might add true. it to the future rant, because it does, it does I think, beg for it. Um, but I do want to just say, again, adding to how shitty this fucking town is, how fucking dare you answer the fucking phone and be talking like that? Like, in a public fucking room. These are fucking people's families. Katrina's family didn't Mm -hmm. find out about her death before some fucking random girl. And the guy, like, criminal man sitting when she walked in and, like, walked by him, that motherfucker knows. And it seems like he could just walk out at any time, but he looks like he's also under arrest at the same time. Like, what are we doing? Why is this place popping off so much? How is this town so big and so small? I hate it.
2: I don't know, but I gotta say that guy, the extra guy who was tied to the fucking bench or whatever, he did some great he extra did. acting. He was like checking Buffy out as nice. she walked by. I was like, this guy's believable. That's a, that's a real person in Sunnydale or right not, there. He was not this guy. This, this was actually just him machine alone. on. <laughs> oh, his name's Machine On. What? Is, what? And then
1: that was my next one. It's like okay. Machine On. What are we doing? What the fuck are we? doing?
2: Okay, that's not real. <laughs> that's not real. Uh, another so some more Faith Buffy Faith Spike parallels. Uh, when she's beating the shit out of Spike, you're nothing, mm-hmm. you've got no soul, whatever. The same thing mm-hmm. is from Goodbye, Iowa, you're dirty, you're <sighs> fucking, you know, but it was Faith beating up Buffy. And then, um, one, one last thing, when uh, Spike is like, there's my girl after he hits her, mm-hmm. Faith does that to her too. When she bunches her face, she's like, that's my girl. And I was like, she, Fuffy forever, Fuffy forever.
1: <laughs> I'm glad there was even more. I mean, I'm just, I, I wasn't equipped for all of them. I mean, it's just yeah yeah if you've never thought that this episode is just playing on all of those things jesus just sit down frame by frame find them find them all
2: Stephen tonight has watched this show i will In say. respect he and has that's why james said on buffy says i love you and don says what's wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Doodle. buffy goes on to say i know i can't give you everything you need uh you know not like mom uh-huh. would and uh-huh. i'm just like well although never forget joyce was a good mom to don just sure. never to buffy so maybe Big that one was fair um nice. When Spike or when Buffy's in the in bed having the earshot uh, hallucinations and stuff, do you? and Spike is like in the bed, she's yeah. like dreaming about Spike. She wants Spike to comfort her. Do you think that's what she really wants? Does she, she just want Spike to be her boyfriend? I'm still so confused, even though we talk about this all the fucking time. I don't understand. Uh, classic story, Michelle Gellar, almost crying face at the very end. She's just so good. I don't know. It's just incredible. And uh, Tara's a good friend. It's too bad no one hangs out Ugh. with her. Okay, let's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because Buffy confesses something that's, you know, she's clearly racked with guilt yeah. about. And Tara doesn't judge her. She says, mm-hmm. do you love him? That's okay. Do you not? That's also okay. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, we're going to make it. <laughs> like,
1: well, Hopefully, I didn't really think about it. But she, she kind of was saying them. exactly, in a way, Spike, what Spike was kind of saying too, which is like, there are other ways to think about this than just like this one, no no accidents ever happen type of path that you're on. And so hopefully, you know, as a character, you sort of hear that from another voice and it's like, you can, you know, get, let that sink in and you can kind of come to terms with Mm -hmm. stuff.
2: Actually take it in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well uh, let's update us on the watches. I'm curious about, about one. So go please, Daniel, tell me. Xander
1: construction outfit watch. No, but he does offer rounds of nectar of the working man which, um, just, you know, mm. it's fine. He's
2: And he's wearing basically a bowling shirt during swing night at the bronze. I don't know. I feel like it counts some He's
1: got <laughs> jokes, and we love it. Uh, also, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Once More With Feeling can also be thrown in there, too. Uh, Anya, oh, yeah, definitely. dancing, like they're people. Um,
2: well, and when Buffy comes into the room, she sees them dancing, and she says, oh, no, are we singing, too? It's per- a yeah. fucking joke.
1: Uh, Maroon jacket wash slosh. <laughs> Anya belt alert. Uh, no. Because I'm going to say that we're two-thirds of the way through the series at this point, roughly. Um, This maroon jacket is the most elusive item, something that I thought was in every episode. (laughs) Turns out to not be in any episode because what I'm thinking of is this fucking brown coat that they're sharing. Brown? (laughs) It's not maroon. But there is a deep maroon one, like a really nice maroon one, but it is isn't rare.
2: Well, I mean, Tara's... Tara has yes. worn one, and, and Riley has right. one, worn one, and Buffy Correct. has worn one. Like, it has appeared. But yeah, in this episode, the station was like, are you going to talk about the jacket? I'm like, it's actually it's not, not maroon. It's, brown. It's, it's brown. brown. it's fucking brown. But in the light when she's talking to Don, moments, I was like, ah.
1: Or oh, like when she's in the light of not. the police station. I mean, you could mistake that yeah. for being sort of a dark maroon. But it's maroon. brown. It's not. I th- it's
2: fucking brown. I, think, it I think
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely the jacket. That is absolutely what I've been thinking of this whole time. But it is a fraud to say maroon jacket watch. You see a brown jacket watch done. We're done and done. But now that's a no for me. Uh, Dawn's piercing screams. No. Uh, however, I thought that it was Dawn screaming in the woods at first. So I said yes. And then I was like, no. But it turns out that was just Jonathan? That was Question mark. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, yeah. Hate it. Love it. Uh, chips Ahoy. Yes. Tara and Buffy obviously talk about the chips. Willow's getting too powerful, a eh? Yeah, Tara's fucking still terrified of her. And Willow is counting the days since her last hit. So, yeah. Yeah. She's absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Buffy has a personality, you betcha. <laughs> New kid's on the block poster, yes. starting to date me. Uh, so we know that she likes that. And we also know that she's a fucking liar, because I've never seen that fucking poster in her room. Um,
2: <laughs> We've seen her room a lot. Yeah, never seen funny.
1: That. Funny you would bring that up, which is a lie, a false memory you're trying to implant <laughs> on us. Um, she does have a shirt. Like we said, it's Brownies and Davidson can camp belong together. So that's pretty cool. Who knows what that is? She also knows who David Lynch is. So we can say that for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Hoffman watch maybe seen one of his movies is a no, as usual, Tara and Willow are on the pot again. Yes. Tara has probably dreamed of being behind the scenes of double meat palace since it opened. <laughs> so that was probably a dream come true for her. Um, you know, that she thought long and hard about how to describe the molecular level changes to Buffy. And she was oh, like, yeah. tropical sunburn. And you know she was like ready to get that in the convo before she forgot about it. <laughs> and then also it's wild that she just knows something about Spike and them. And you know she's going to like really try to forget it tonight for sure. Um,
2: she probably already forgot it.
1: She might hopefully be like, is there a least bramble around for me to get really quick? Oh, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> Michael, Amy, Wicked, Goth, Watch, yeah. Jonathan does some spells and shit, so I guess that counts. Uh, and then this one, uh, you know, I don't think it's controversial, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it. Buffy charging a dollar for um, everyone asking if she's okay. I'm gonna give her a dollar because she's like she makes Tara look up if she's okay. Like it's kind of like wanting to answer a pretty oh, fundamental yeah, question <laughs> of if she's okay or not. No one asks, but we're all kind of asking, right? Um,
3: Buffy asked. Buffy ass am, am I okay? okay.
1: So I got to give it to her here. It, it feels yeah, like a cheat to yeah, the yeah. system because she, she could just start asking, am I okay, and then just get money. Herself constantly. Um, so $7. She has $7 now. Um, she's only nice. got a few episodes to go, so hopefully she can get a nice little Hamilton in her pocket at the end of this.
3: I didn't come back wrong. No, you're the same
1: Buffy with a deep, tropical, cellular tan. Um, <laughs> Books of Million, yeah. Uh, what is it? The, the Breckenkrieg Krieg Grimor? Grimor, yeah. Grimor. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously. The streets Ahead, yeah. I mean, not really. I guess a no, technically. But we do go to a classy bar, which proves that there are, like, upper-middle-class people, I guess. Adults, here. who knows somewhere what the... is what's going on. And then, of <laughs> yeah. course, the pop-up police station on like an abandoned which like (laughs) how do you not have a camera they have cameras back in 2002 how do you not have a camera at the fucking alley right next to your alley Alley. that's where you would bring in the prisoner what are you doing why is there no one here i hate it uh giles biggest ko yes um uh yeah helping what oh yeah helping tara he would want to help tara uh decode willow's resurrection spell uh to further you know stick Mm -hmm. it to her i think would be the one thing here oh, yeah. that he would have loved to have been a part of. The rest of it, I don't know if it's for him. He's probably better to be gone. So,
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he needs to know any of the other stuff that happens. But again, we could argue that maybe none of it would have happened if he would have stuck around. Yeah. Bastard. Giles. You were amazing. You got the job done yourself? Well, thank you for that very, very important update. This jacket, man. You're
1: not kidding. <sighs> such a such a bummer. Really, that's the thing that shakes me to my core.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is finally time to rank this sucker. Are you ready? Because I'm ready. Willow hack slash we talk about the net slash something wicked this way comes. I gave it a seven. Uh, while Willow doesn't do any magic, but we, as you discussed, Jonathan clearly does. Uh, I don't know if we can count that, but I'm counting it a little bit. Also, Tara does research on magic. that. Feels fun, like magic, kind oh. of. So you know, we're gonna, and we have the the trio using all kinds of technology, as we discussed, very high tech Summon streaming. Demons. Yeah, and this
1: is for, yeah, for yeah. Willow. So there you Hacks, go. We talk about the net. Yeah, I
2: Sorry, know that's what? why I'm. It's a, it's a bit of a joke. Oh, wow. It's a bit of a joke. Okay, I gave it a seven. Wow. Uh, Dawn needs an adult. Also gets a seven. She does want Buffy's attention really bad, but. She was at home with multiple adults having a good time. I know Willow is a junkie, and we can't really trust her, but she did say she did her due diligence to confirm that, in fact, she was going to Janice's house and they weren't going out to be hoodlums again. I think she's being looked after. She is very desperate for her sister's attention, but she is being looked after. She's safe. She gets a seven. Monster of the Week. I... Uh, I put down the Lake Havasu demons because I couldn't remember <laughs> what they were called. They're called Rasundi Rus- demons, I guess. They're so fucking cool. The concept is so oh, cool. As we discussed, probably the best fight scene in the entire show. Maybe not like the actual combat, but I don't care so much about. But the way that they, that was edited, the way that it all came together, it's just absolutely great. And, and the makeup's cool. It's not very original because it looks a lot Halprick. like the Vengeance yeah. demon makeup uh-huh. to me. Yeah, but but it's, um you know, that not so much but the, just the concept of it and the way it was done man these things are fucking cool as shit and the fact that you know we're never gonna yeah. see them again the fact that they could just disrupt time and space like that is like what a fucking awesome thing and like the fact that that you know the trio who i'm not counting as the bad guys but utilize them in this saying. way is also really it interesting. levels them up it's just like sure.
1: which they don't do enough of oh like yeah talking about but like that's a wild thing to to be able to summon th- these type of characters into this world
2: and do it I so know. successfully, they fucking had a plan and executed Wild. it perfectly. Like, and they killed someone again. They're not, they're not the monster of the week, but the fact that these guys were used in that way, I don't know, very cool. I gave that yeah. the uh, Rosundi demons an eight. Uh, life is the big bad, oh, yeah, that's a 10, buddy. <laughs> that's a 10. This is a, a whopper of an episode for sure. Major crises emotionally, and you know, the rape thing, just whew, yeah, 10 uh relationship goodness or badness don and buffy not so great but everyone else xander and anya seem to be happy whether that's short-lived doesn't really matter because we're talking about this episode buffy and tara new best friends oh my god what the hell willow and tara are we on the road to rehabilitation i don't know (laughs) seems good to me also all of our friends are friends that's an eight that's an eight uh episode specific oh man uh this is not some fantasy it's not a game you freaks it's rape holy shit Words on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, incredible. Uh, also, you know, maybe alternately, please don't forgive me. Just Buffy breaking down, absolutely crying. Please don't forgive me.
0: It's wrong. I'm wrong. Tell me that I'm wrong. Please. Please don't forgive me. Please. God, please don't. Please don't forgive me.
2: ten out of ten, absolutely it's a fifty Ooh. five Ooh. zero. This is easily the second best episode of the season. I would say that maybe it's the first best episode of the season. Maybe I should have put it way up there. The thing that didn't juke this higher for me, than once more feeling, which by the way, this is two of thirteen right below once more feeling right above life Serial. The reason I think I didn't do it is because this is not an episode I would ever show anybody that Amen. wanted to watch Buffy for the first time, not because it's not good on the face of it, but you. I think it. You have to know I, the show. I, think so. you, I don't know if it worked. I don't know. It's good on. It's good by itself, but yeah, I just it doesn't work without the the context. So, I think so. fifty, awesome. great episode, two for the season. I mean, mm-hmm. she's oh, wow. for those who need a play by play. Oh, she's scrolling right in the middle of the twenties. We're in the mid twenties. Oh, it could shit. be there. Oh, oh, we have made a new row. We've got uh, an episode that's been supplanted in its place. Let's see. I don't have my glasses on. I see the word. Okay. All right. It's been locked in. Stacia, where did you put dead (laughs) things?
3: Uh, I put it. uh, I'm not even done yet. Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) So much pressure.
2: Colors have been coded. Rows have been created. Cells have been shuffled. I'm sorry. I have a process.
3: <laughs> okay. Um, I put this at, oh, shit, where'd it go? Uh, I <laughs> put this at 15 Ooh. out of 113.
2: 15. That's, that is high. Yeah. That is high. Yeah. I like this mm-hmm. episode. I'm glad. It's real good. So what's above it? What's below it? Uh, it is below
3: graduation day part one and hush. And it's above the gift and
2: afterlife. Nice, nice. And what? Do you, oh, you haven't put a description because I'm put you on the
1: spot.
3: Because you keep narrating everything I do.
1: You want to put something?
3: I can't put. I can't. It can't be. It can't. I can't, uh,
1: can't. I'm gonna have. Gonna I'm go gonna, go gonna have cheering now as you do the play by play. I have performance like, oh, it's, it's anxiety.
0: <laughs>
2: um. And never forget. Uh. Revel- no, not Revelations. That's tough for you. Dark Age. Dark Age is is solidly like 50 It's going to push down
1: Dark it's Age. It's far better so it's than kind Dark of a age. RIP to it Dark is. Age.
3: Thank God. Uh, I put Warren kills Katrina. Buffy thinks she kills killed Katrina. <laughs> Buffy beats up Spike and then cries to Tara. Nice. Yes! You could write
1: Conversations mm. with Dead Things.
2: Oh! <laughs> that, I'm hoping, is also a good episode, because that should also be a weird, like, different type of episode, yeah. so I'm yeah. hoping conversations with dead people is as good as i remember it because i didn't remember this one this one's fucking great uh daniel where did you yeah i was best?
1: gonna go i i thought i was gonna be alone so i was like all right i'm gonna hedge my bet and i'm is it better than the other episodes <laughs> on here um the highest ranking obviously is once more with feeling for the season the next one's tabula rasa i don't know if it beats those ones because those ones are just really iconic and really really good so i was like the next best on there was bargaining at 32 and i do both of them together and I, I, my, my initial gut reaction was put it below bargaining. So what's the first one below? It was number thirty six. But as we've talked, I'm like, I know, I'm gonna take a chance on this one because this is so good. Um, so Tabula yeah. Rasa, I put it at eleven conservatively. I don't know if it's better than Tabula Rasa. And underneath Tabula Rasa, number twelve is is um, Band Candy. Band Candy, great episode. I will put it at number thirteen out of one thirty seven. Nice. And I, it's it's good. And I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I thought yeah. I would be like walked back and then I could be like, fuck everyone. I'm putting in at 36 and that's like a big thing. But now it's like, <laughs> I got to go even harder, man. I, this is great stuff. Yeah. It's a really, really good episode and it deserves it. So 13 out nice. of 137. And I've, I've said everything. I've said my entire piece of everything. I can't think of anything here that I didn't get to say either. So that's, that's great. This, this episode is excellent. <laughs>
2: I think that you were really apt earlier when you said every time where it could get to the point where it's cringy because it's like a little too much of something, uh, they pulled back or changed the scene or cut away or did whatever, um... The the one thing I think they still lingered on a little too long was the door touching. I mean, it was effective. Oh, the song yeah. was good, but like we could have done like a few seconds less of the door touching. That was the only thing. But that's like my only critique of the episode. But I, is... I could also
1: say at the very beginning of the episode with all the sex stuff and you expect it to be a subversion of it and like, oh, they're actually just playing Legos or something. And like, that's too much. Oh, right. <laughs> like, that's too much. So yeah, it kind yeah. of like sets a tone for like that sort of melodrama with the spike thing, they lean into it. It's not played as a joke. Like the, that all is prevalent. And I don't necessarily like care so much for that, but God, if you're going to do it, fucking do it. And and they did, but no, I'm with you. Like the leaning on the thing is ridiculous. And how fast she got away so fast. What are we doing? I guess she's a superhero. But
2: whatever. <laughs> don't think about the blood sucking pain. All right. That was dead things. And it was real good. Thank unless God. you have anything else to say about it. Stacia. Nothing worthwhile. Um, now you have to say whatever you were going to say.
3: That's offer, Officer Machine-on to you.
2: <laughs> whatever, Mr. Machine-on. Hey,
1: that's
2: Officer Machine-on to you.
1: Do you think that's how he pronounces it, though? Sorry. Or Meshion? On? Absolutely.
2: No, it's it's two words. It's machine-on. Oh, no, it's, it's one word.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, but you're no, no, saying. It's, it's okay.
2: two.
1: <laughs> machine-on, yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm... That was a vital addition, so thank you. (laughs) Daniel, what about this episode else? I mean, you just said you have nothing else to say, but
1: do you have anything else to say? I have uh, nothing else to say.
3: Don't get tricked.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Please join us next time for the episode Older and Far Away. And God, it hurts me every time that it's not older and Go farther away. away. I always want it to be older and farther away. I like it the way it <laughs> is, older and far away. away. Because it, I mean, it's it's different. It's different, clearly. Anyway, until then, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Daniel.
1: Gentlemen and women, two podcasts. Podcast to podcast.
2: See podcast see, taste see, tastes funny. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Whips, boys, take another guess. I wear
1: ruffles on my dress. I'm candy. a, in a, rut. Juicy I'm a candy in a ruff. I'm a candy in a I am. a candy in a i am i am a little piece of tin. Nobody me, knows what me. shape I'm in. Me. Got four wheels and a running board. No, I'm a don't. Ford or I'm a
0: Ford. Honk honk rattle rattle, rattle crash, beep beep. Honk, rattle, be. rattle, rattle, crash beep. beep beep. Honk honk rattle rattle crash beep beep. Honk honk rattle rattle crash beep beep. Honk 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 beep beep aluga
1: gentlemen to crime
0: crime mm-hmm.